Got time for a quick story. We've talked before to Frankie Previtt. Frankie in the Knockouts, writer of I've Had the Time of My Life and Hungry Eyes from Dirty Dancing. Well, back in the late 1980s, he was part of a project with other top American songwriters that worked with Soviet songwriters. And in particular, he wrote a couple songs, one of which was co-written with an American songwriter and two Soviet songwriters. Two Estonian songwriters, I should say. They were from Estonia, which at the time was part of the Soviet Union. That song was recorded by Earth, Wind, and Fire and included on the compilation album, the result of this project. That song has been newly recorded in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and takes on even more meaning in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and all of the protests that have been happening around the country here in June of 2020 when we're recording this episode of Got Time for a Quick Story. So Frankie Previtt, little did he know when he was writing with people from a country that no longer exists, that he'd find a reason to bring the song back for something involving our own country and all of the chaos our country, the United States of America, where I'm at, is going through right now. So we're talking to Frankie Previtt about One World and start by telling us the origin of this. And I went through a little bit of of that, but go through the details of how did how exactly did One World originally come about? Well, the initial prompt was being uh, chosen as one of America's uh, top 25 songwriters after I won the Academy Award for writing I've Had the Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing. 25 songwriters from BMI and uh, from Columbia Records were chosen by Alan Roy Scott to do a songwriting summit called Music Speaks Louder Than Words. And so it was the first time that the Soviet songwriters and American songwriters did a cultural kind of exchange. And so 25 of us, and when I tell you the, the list of songwriters that were chosen, I was humbled to be there. Uh, it was Barry Mann, Mike Stoller, Diane Warren, Desmond Child, Cindy Lauper, Michael Bolton, 25 of us. And these were, you know, at that time and still are some of the historic uh, cream of the crop songwriters. And I was really, really lucky to be chosen as one, you know, somebody to be in that ilk. So as we get to to Moscow, we are now writing with the top 25 Russian songwriters and stars. And, you know, there, it was Glasnost. It was a, an era where Russia was starting to loosen its belt and, and letting, trying to open its doors to the West, to, to America and, and a different way of living. And so there we were sitting 50 of us with interpreters, by the way, to, to write these songs. And so, you know, most of us songwriters write with a, you know, a, a syncopation and, and, a, and a feel and a groove, whereas um, most Russian music has its own feel in the, and very popular in its culture, but different, much different than, than the feels that we were used to. And so in walks this Estonian, a blind Estonian called Sergei Manukian. And he walked in with his songwriting partner, Mick Targa. And he sits down at the piano and somebody forgot to tell him he wasn't Ray Charles. (laughs) Because 
he sat down and all of a sudden there was someone like you. And it was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? And so everyone in the room, um, American-wise, was like, well, we want to write with him. He, he gets what we're about. And then, you know, Columbia said, well, you all can't write with just one writer. So we're going to put everybody's name in a hat. You're going to put your hand in there and you're going to grab a name and that's who you're going to write with. And I put my hand in the in the hat and I pulled out Sergei Manukian. Huh. So Sergei and, and myself and Mick Targa and then a fourth person, another American writer, Pamela, Pamela Philip Olin. And Pamela, her fame is the writing songs for Frank Sinatra and Whitney Houston and Aretha Franklin and, and just a ton of people. And she's a well-known American behind-the-scenes songwriter. And so the four of us sat down, and so the common denominator was music. Uh, there was no pandemic going on. The, the Racial injustice was still there, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today, the social unrest. And so the, the, uh, the connection of these two different worlds coming together cre- with this common language music created a song called One World. So we came back after nine days in Russia, 50 people, and there were 50 songs written. <laughs> and Columbia Records was like, okay, we're going to pick 10, we're going to do a record. Uh, and so I was blessed to have two songs chosen for that record. One I wrote with Cindy Lauper and Igor Nikolaevich, who was like their huge rock star in, in, uh, in the Soviet Union. And then the other was with, you know, Igor, uh, with um, Sergei Mnuchin and Mick Targa and Pamela. And so Columbia decided, all right, we're going to pick some stars to sing these songs. And they picked Earth, Wind, and Fire to sing One World. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And Cindy Lauper sang the other song. And now what happens is there's a big, big um, regime change at, at Columbia. And all this new regime comes in and said, listen, we, we think there are some really great songs here, but that's the old regime's project. And we're going to you know, kind of put it out, but not put it out. So they pressed, pressed up about 500 copies and they let it sit in a warehouse. And so One World never got heard. So fast forward. Now we're in, you know, pandemic time. And I'm doing an interview, like, with someone like you, Luke. Mm-hmm. And, and the jock says to me, so how is this music world, musicians, being affected in, by all of this? You know, America's not going to be the same. Wait, wait, wait. It's not about America Everybody, this is about the whole world. This is what we have become one world. And I, this light bulb went off in my head and I said, you know what? I, I have a song here that I think I can help with. And so I went ahead and I found four charities to give the donations of everything that I get from this song as far as downloads and sync licenses and, and streaming and all that to, to help these charities. So I started thinking about what charity. And so, obviously, the first one that came to my mind was the Musicians Foundation, because a lot of my friends were starving and couldn't pay their bills. And then I looked at the actors, and Broadway stopped, and and everybody was, like, freaking out. Broadway's closed, so the Actors Fund. And then I started thinking, what is our future but children? So I, I, I looked up, and I found the First Responders Children's Foundation, 
and they became a third. So we're getting ready to release. But we re-recorded the song. We came back and, and said, you know what, we're going to make a more updated version of this song. So uh, I called Pamela. We re-recorded the song with um, this guy named John Gillitton, who is a keyboard player, songwriter, who wrote New Attitude for Patti LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Won a Grammy for the song. Really, really excellent producer, songwriter. And I said, John, you know, we're going to need to get like some, some vocal on this thing. So if I go to a Cindy Lauper, if I go to a Bruno Mars, I go to and try to do a We Are the World with a bunch of people, I'm going to need to have a vocal on the track. So he went ahead and found Michael Mayer, who's the lead singer for Herbie Hancock. And then he went and got Ellis Hall, who was the original lead singer from Tower Power. And then Renee Martin and uh, Rayon uh, Holland. Uh, Holland. And um, so all of these great, you know, people who won Grammys or Grammy nominated people started donating their time just to put a reference vocal on this track. And all of a sudden, the reference vocal on the track started sounding so incredible. And I'm like, John, not for nothing, you know, Cindy's busy with her project and Bruno Mars, I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> but what the hell? This this thing is like smoking. This is like beyond what I thought it would sound like. And he goes, these, these are the cream of the crop guys. These are, they, these are the guys that are the backbone of our industry that help make today's and yesterday's stars household names. These are unsung heroes. They're doing it for free. So now you have musicians helping musicians, helping actors, helping children. And the song is like really come out phenomenal. And I said, this is the song. These are the voices for one world. These voices. And so we're getting ready to release. And then Black Tuesday happened with the social injustice with George Floyd. And I'm like, Okay, we gotta we gotta pull back because we're not releasing on this day. So, you know, pulling back it gave me a chance to take a breath. And in that breath I realized the picture that I was painting wasn't completed. And I said, you know what? We we need to dig down and put a fourth charity in here in here. And so I called the NAACP and Ron Sykes got on on, uh, on the phone and said, We we love the song we love the cause and they became our fourth charity so we have four really strong charities that will represent our future and when i say our future our future is you and i want to go to a concert after this is all over we want to go to a restaurant we want to be able to go to theater we want to be able to watch a movie a new movie that's made we we want to be able to our children are our future and uh, a safe America where the foundation that we build is on concrete, not shifting sand. So that that's what this project is all about. You know, one world, our song dot com, whatever you can donate, whatever you can afford. And as soon as you do that, you get a free download of the song. So, I mean, that's a mouthful. You ask me a question, I give you a mouthful. <laughs> You're you're based in a different part of the country than the upper Midwest, but we do have our issues with performance around here, even in a relatively smaller city like sure. like Eau Claire. But but we're not having performances at our performing arts center. Obviously, the high school and college choirs and bands and such they're shut down. And even with 
even with school likely starting up in the autumn, probably one of the few things you're not going to have is high school music and such. Eventually, the arts will come back to the performing arts centers, but that's that's an open question. What are you seeing on the ground where you're at musicians, you're in touch with, you're in touch with a whole lot of musicians and, and artists and such. What what is the situation now several months on and how are people adjusting? How are people looking at their futures in professional performance? Well, I can tell you from my personal experience and, and some of my friends' experiences. And so what what's happening is like I got a call from Monmouth College and, and um so I live down the shore by Asbury Park. I live in the you know, the Jersey Shore, Bruce Springsteenville, you know, mm-hmm. where where a lot of music celebrities live down here. You know, Bon Jovi's down here. A lot of people. And so um, you get a Monmouth College who, who usually puts on concerts and they say, well, can we do a Zoom concert where we pick like 10 of you guys and, and um, you know, we have a host that comes on. And, and we do like a little show and, and, you know, you be part and parcel of your performance in your living room. So you could play acoustically, you could have, you know, a track that you sing to however you want to perform the song. So, you know, I've done a few of those type of things. Some of my friends have started their own little internet shows. I'm every Tuesday, you know, uh, the so-and-so jukebox, you know, call in with your request and I'll play the song for you. And so there's, there's a live show. Uh, Bob Egan, another guy who who is a very popular cabaret uh, piano player, he'll have all these people, and and you'll, he'll be sitting around his, his home at the piano, and and people call in, they request the song, and he plays the piano and they sing it, and so it's like they did, he didn't miss a beat. And now beyond that, beyond all of that, there's this new wave of entertaining people at drive-in theaters. And so I've been talking to some different drive-in theater people. Even the Monmouth County racetrack is at Southside Johnny. will play the racetrack. People will be socially distanced in the stands or at these movie theaters. Every other car space, you'll have a car. And, you know, if you have 500 spaces, you'll put 250 cars in there and you get four people in a car. And all of a sudden you got a thousand people watching a band on stage. And that's how they're doing it. They're starting to get, you know, creative. And and uh, some of them uh, will actually go into a theater that holds maybe a thousand people and it'll be empty. And they'll have a film crew. And for $10, your popular band will play Friday night at the local theater at the Count Basie tonight is. And they're playing live and you pay $10 and you're sitting home watching them at, you know, in your living room. So it's getting creative. And that's what's happening here. How long did it take to assemble the new version of One World? Because I'm sure a lot of folks will see these remote versions of performances and they think, oh, these folks, they probably just put this together over a couple weeks and then put the videos in a program and bam, it goes up and... It's I've, I I know from your reaction to that, and I know these aren't these aren't overnight sorts of things. So what's describe the process for someone that looks at that and might and wouldn't know any better? What all goes into assembling something like that? Much much different because now you're doing it um, 
from your living room, your bedroom, wherever you can record in your home. And uh, so John Gillison, you know, puts a drum track up and then he plays a keyboard to it and he sends it to his friend, the bass player, who's home. And, and he puts his headphones on and he picks his bass up and he, and he starts playing and he records a file of that bass. And that file gets sent back to John. Now, John has a bass line for, for the song, and he puts it in. He sends it to a guitar player, a drummer, a, a, a singer, a background singer, a lead singer. And piece by piece, they, started, they start to send their file. And before you know it, John had like 200 files because you have background parts. You have four different people singing backgrounds that are triple-tracked. You know, all these parts are coming in. You have three or four different styles of background parts coming in at different times. The files are loading. They're getting bigger and bigger. And he said to me, Jesus, I'm, I'm getting overloaded with files. He goes, I'm in the weeds on this thing. And then I called my good friend Bill Schnee. And Bill Schnee produced a, a Frankie and the Knockouts record that I, I was in a band called Frankie and the Knockouts in the 80s. And Sweetheart was a big top 10 hit. And uh, he, Bill is an 11-time Grammy-nominated um, producer, uh, mixer, two-time a winner, Dove winner, just a, just an unbelievable, probably one of the top five uh, mixing uh, engineers in the world. So I call Bill and I tell him what I'm doing. He goes, "Tell John to send me the files. I'll mix it for you." So I called John up. He goes, "Frankie, Bill Schnee. Oh my God, he's like one of the." you know, my mentors, he goes, but I got to tell you, there's so many files here. I don't know. It. I'm in the weeds on this. So I know where everything is. It might be really, really difficult for him to mix this, but I'll send it to him. Two days later, Bill Schnee has the mix you're hearing. Hmm. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's some talent involved with that. I can't imagine though, that this is a sustainable method to keep doing these sorts of remote performances, which gets back to the point of raising money to help out musicians. There's only so much you can do from home, short of doing like a really raw Facebook Live or something like that. I mean, that's good for whomever can do that. But if you want something beyond that, unless you're doing a studio thing and you can't go out and do concerts, at least, well, depending on where you're at, for the most part, not anytime soon— Right. Uh, what's the breaking point here for a lot of these musicians, and not just rock and pop musicians and such, but also Broadway performers, musical performers, those sorts? Again, it's going to be a, a baby steps, you know, that we take on how to figure this out. And, and the first baby step we're taking is nobody in the audience and just cameras, and then you 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 know selling your pay per view with ten bucks into somebody's house and then they can watch, you know, a performance, either of a play or, or a concert. And that, and, and that's the first baby step. And then they'll start allowing, well, we, we'll allow 250 people into a thousand seater, but you can't sit, you know, six rows, uh, six seats apart. And then that'll go to, you can have 50, uh, 500 people and then it'll start to build, but that could take, you know, six months, a year. But it's a process, and they're baby steps. And, and we're all going to have to realize that this is a different normal. And even when we get to the other side of everybody's in there, it's, it's still going to be the other side of normal. 
because we'll have made so many changes onto what we're used to doing that this new change will become normal, the normal. The other element to this, as you mentioned, adding in the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, which is pretty yeah. self-explanatory, and if, if anyone doesn't know about it, pretty easy to find out what they do. But what was, I mean, the NAACP, major organization, but what the, the big message I've been taking in and understanding since the murder of George Floyd has been the whole notion of you got to listen and you got to find the right thing to do, not just, I mean, not just put up something on social media for a day and say, yeah, I did my part. Well, if you're going to try to help society improve, there's got to be something more tangible. So how describe for anyone listening and wanting to try to help with this with this problem we've got, how does this help via the, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund? Well, first of all, each and every person has their own voice and and has their own message. And so, you know, like, basically, you know, it's a biblical saying, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. So, you know, look in the mirror and say, would you like to be treated this way? How would you like to be treated? And start with yourself. Start with your own belief and then live what you're saying. Don't BS yourself. Start with that and start believing that there is a process to this, and then each and every one of us in our small little way can make a change that will become a big change because um, a successful uh, anything is enough of people agreeing that it's, you know, success. You know, you get enough people to agree to what you're doing, a hit song. Enough people agree that that's a hit song, it's a hit song. It's by agreement. When we start to agree with each other that this is the right thing to do, and then we do it, that's when we'll make change. You've been doing a lot of projects, hence the reason I've been talking to you so many times over the past few years with the Frankie and the Knockouts re-release and the Christmas song you've been working on. And then, of course, now One World comes out. So what's next? What More of a focus on One World and still promoting that and getting people to donate? What do you have next on next in the next few weeks and months? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm dedicating a lot of, lot of time to One World because I think it's, it's needed, number one. It's, it's a cause that I, I really uh, am passionate about. And so I've been reaching out to celebrities, and I've gotten so far seven endorsements. I call them the Celebrity Circle. Mm-hmm. And I say, pick up your iPhone and give me 20 seconds. Listen to the song and tell me what you think. Give me your voice and, and tell people to go to, you know, OneWorldOurSong.com and, and if, you know, donate for a free download. So I, I've gotten Kenny Gamble from Gamble & Huff, who is an unbelievable, um, just uh, the sound of Philadelphia. I mean, if you think of Patti LaBelle and you think of those ilk type uh, performers, they've written the songs for these people. And so when Kenny Campbell calls me and says, man, I heard your song and I got to tell you, I have such respect for you. And I, what do you need me to do? And I said, just do tell me what you think of the song. Give me 20 seconds. And so I take a little bit of the song and I play it and then I go and they come in and go, hi, I'm Kenny Gamble. And I just want to tell you, I just heard a song that really moved me. And so he does his pitch. Tico Torres from Bon Jovi, the drummer from Bon Jovi, just did one. Uh, Rob Hyman, who is uh, one of the uh, 
um, players in uh, the Hooters and also wrote Time After Time for Cyndi Lauper. He's a Grammy uh, winner for for that song. Um, Christine Ebersole, actress. Uh, Michelle Green from L.A. Law. Um, I just got one just about 10 seconds or 10 minutes ago from, um, uh, what's her name? She's from SNL, and she was in Men in Black. Uh, she was on Steinfeld. Um, uh, her last name is Fallon, and she's a good friend of my girlfriend's, and so she she just sent me one. So I'm getting um, Re- Re- Siobhan. Her first name is yes. Siobhan Fallon. And um, just just a, uh, a really good actress, comedic actress. And so, you know, to, to get these kind of endorsements from these celebrities uh, lets me know that the world is getting passionate about change and, and passionate about help me to heal others. Can you help me to heal others? And whatever that help is, if it's a dollar or if it's your voice, help me to heal others. Well, it's good that we get this again and give us another opportunity for us to try to heal a whole lot of people who are suffering right now for a whole lot of reasons. Frankie Previtt, again, the project is One World. The website is OneWorldOurSong.com. Go there, learn about it more. You can also find it, of course, on a lot of the usual platforms. OneWorldOurSong.com. Once again, Frankie, thank you for doing what you do. And we'll be looking forward to more projects from you. And take care. All the best. Luke, stay safe, man. Okay? You, stay safe. You too. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, buddy. Stay well. Frankie Previtt there. Once again, great interview with him. And I mentioned the website, as you heard near the end there, uh, OneWorldRSong.com. OneWorldRSong.com. You will learn more about about the history of the song, all the musicians involved, and they have extensive resumes. They have worked on songs you have heard. These are these are some these are some talented folks involved with with this, and you'll see for yourself when you just go through all the the bios like I did. And you're like, wow, <laughs> these are some good gets for this new version of One World. And again, the Charity Partners Musicians Foundation, the Actors Fund, First Responders Children's Foundation, and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story podcast. You can all, well, first off, thanks to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio, provides the facilities for a lot of these interviews, which you can listen to as well at greatesthits981.com. Click on interviews to listen to a lot of these music interviews. Uh, with myself and also with uh, my co-worker, John Murphy, who has his, who does some interviews as well. And the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast, you can find in a lot of the usual locations. You can go to the podcast app via Apple. You can find it through Android device, if that's what you got. Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you rate the podcast as well. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.